0: I'm accompanied by the Vice President and the Secretary of Treasury, Janet Yellen, and I want to talk today about uh, our plan. And uh, the January job numbers came out today. And while we're grateful for everyone who found work and is earning a paycheck, it's very clear our economy is still in trouble. We added just 6,000 private sector jobs in the country last month. Overall, We added 49,000 jobs, and uh, this at a time when we have more than 10 million people out of work, 4 million people have been out of work for six months or longer, and 2.5 million women have been driven from the workforce. 15 million Americans are behind in the rental payments. 24 million adults and 12 million children literally don't have enough food. These aren't Democrats or Republicans. They're Americans. And they're suffering. They're suffering not because of anything they did. Through no fault of their own, they're suffering. Once in a century, virus has decimated our economy, and it's still wreaking havoc on our economy today. And so much of it is still about the virus. We're still in the teeth of this pandemic. In fact, January was the single deadliest month of the whole pandemic we lost nearly 100,000 lives. I know some in Congress think we've already done enough to deal with the crisis in the country. Others think that things are getting better and we can afford to sit back, neither do little or do nothing at all. That's not what I see. I see enormous pain in this country. A lot of folks out of work, A lot of folks going hungry, staring at the ceiling tonight wondering, what am I going to do tomorrow? A lot of folks trying to figure out how to keep their jobs and take care of their children. A lot of folks reaching the breaking point. Suicides are up. Mental health needs are increasing. Violence against women and children is increasing. A lot of folks are losing hope. And I believe the American people are looking right now to their government for help to do our job. Not let them down. So I'm going to act. I'm going to act fast. I'd like to be—I'd uh, like to be doing it with the support of Republicans. I've met with Republicans. There's some really fine people who want to get something done, but they're just not willing to go as far as I think we have to go. I've told both Republicans and Democrats that's my preference to work together. But if I have to choose between getting help right now to Americans who are hurting so badly and getting bogged down in a monthly negotiation, or compromising on a bill that's, that, that, that's up to the crisis. That's an easy choice. I'm going to help the American people hurting now. That's why I'm so grateful to the House and the Senate for moving so fast on the American Rescue Plan. Here's what's in that plan. First, it puts $160 billion into our national COVID-19 strategy which includes more money for manufacturing, distribution, and setting up of vaccine sites. Everything is needed to get the vaccines into people's arms. There's simply nothing more important than us getting the resources we need to vaccinate the people in this country as soon, as quickly as possible. So job number one of the American Rescue Plan is vaccines. Vaccines. The second, the American Rescue Plan is going to keep the commitment of $2,000. $600 has already gone out. $1,400 checks to people who need it. This is money directly in people's pockets. They need it. We need to target that money so folks making $300,000 don't get any windfall. But if you're a two, if you're two, uh, uh, if you're a family that's a two-wage uh, earner. Each of the parents, one making thirty grand, one making forty or fifty. Maybe that's a little more than. Well, yeah, they need the money, and they're going to get it. And here's what I won't do: I'm not cutting the size of the checks. They're going to be fourteen hundred dollars. Period. That's what the American people were promised. Very quickly, here's the rest of my plan. It has money for food and nutrition so that folks don't go hung- hungry. I think our Republican friends are going to support that. It extends unemployment insurance, which is going to run out on March 13th of this year to the end of September of this year, because there's still going to be have, we're still going to have high unemployment. It helps small businesses, thousands of whom have had to go out of business. It has money to help folks pay their health insurance. It has rental assistance to keep people in their homes rather than being thrown out on the street. It's got money to help us open our schools safely. There's money for child care, for paid leave. It gets needed resources of state and local governments to prevent layoffs of essential personnel, firefighters, nurses, to folks that are school teachers, sanitation workers. It raises the minimum wage. It's big and it's bold, and it's a real answer to the crisis we're in. That's one more thing, and I want to say it very clearly on this, be very clear on this point. It's better economics. It not only addresses the immediate crisis we're in, it's better for the long-term economic health of our nation and our competitiveness. My plan creates more jobs, creates more economic growth, and does more to make us competitive with the rest of the world than any other plan. Don't take my word for it. Just look at what leading economists across the nation have said and in the world and, and, across the, and across the ocean have said. Wall Street investment firm Moody says if we pass the American Rescue Plan, it will lead to 4 million more jobs than otherwise would be created. The nonpartisan Brookings Institution has looked at the Rescue American Rescue Plan and said the GDP the, of, will reach pre-pandemic projections by 2021, meaning we'll have it recovered by end of 2021. Much sooner, by the way, than if we do nothing. Look, just this week, the Congressional Budget Office projected that if we don't take action, it would take until the year 2025 to return to full employment. There's also a growing chorus of top economists, right, center, left, that say we should be less focused on the deficit and more focused on the investments we make and can make now in jobs, keeping families out of poverty, preventing long-term economic damage to our nation. The simple truth is, if we make these investments now, with interest rates at historic lows, we'll generate more growth, higher incomes, a stronger economy, and our nation's finances will be in a stronger position as well. And the payoff won't just be in jobs, but in our global competitiveness as well because we'll be regaining our economic strength faster. So, the way I see it, the biggest risk is not going too big if we, go, it's if we go too small. We've been here before. When this nation hit the Great Recession that Barack and I inherited in 2009, I was asked to lead the effort on the Economic Recovery Act to get it passed. It was a big recovery package, roughly $800 billion. I did everything I could to get it passed, including getting three Republicans to change their votes and vote for it. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't quite big enough. It stemmed the crisis, but the recovery could have been faster and even bigger. Today, we need an answer that meets the challenge of this crisis, not one that falls short. And that's the issue facing the country right now. What Republicans have proposed is either to do nothing or not enough. All of a sudden, many of them rediscovered fiscal restraint and the concern for the deficits. But don't kid yourself. This approach will come with a cost. More pain for more people for longer than it has to be. Secretary Yellen talks about the scarring effect that comes with prolonged economic pain. We see that scarring effect in economic data, but more important, we can see it in the lives of people living with long-term unemployment, living in hunger, at which end over how to keep their jobs, take care of their kids. And then she talks about the need to alleviate long-term suffering in the economy. We can do that. We don't have to wait until 2025 to get back to full employment, which will be the case if we don't do this. Again, independent analysis from places like Moody's on Wall Street, Brookings Institution, the American Rescue Plan could achieve that by the beginning full employment, by the beginning of next year. So to me, this is, this is what this moment comes down to. Are we going to pass a big enough package to vaccinate people, to get people back to work, to alleviate the suffering in this country this year? That's what I want to do. Or are we going to say the millions of Americans are out of work Many of whom have been out of work for six months or longer, who've been scarred by this economic and public health crisis. Don't worry, hang on, things are going to get better. We're going to go smaller, so it's just going to take us a lot longer, like until 2025. That's the Republican answer right now. I can't in good conscience do that. Too many people in the nation have already suffered for too long through this pandemic and economic crisis. Telling them we don't have the money to alleviate their suffering, to get to full employment sooner, to vaccinate America after $8 trillion in deficit spending over the past four years, much of it having gone to the wealthiest people in the country, is neither true nor necessary. We do have the resources to get to full employment sooner. We do have the tools to reduce a lot of suffering in this country just have to choose to use them. So it's time to act. We can reduce suffering in this country. We can put people back to work. We can control, gain control of this virus. That's what the American Rescue Plan does. And that's what I'm determined to do. And that's what I hope we're going to be able to do in the near term. So may God bless you all. May God protect our troops. And I truly believe real help is on the way. Thank you all so very much. Thank you. You're doing all right?
1: Good, good. I, um... Sit I want to take a moment... And I just can only imagine what black people who are in the free press are dealing with inside of this attack. So I wanted to come here to encourage you, to inspire you, to say thank you. You matter. What you're doing is important. And keep going. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> now, me, me being an introvert, sometimes people think I'm weird. They think I'm so private. It's just that I'm, alone or I'm kind of a loner. I've got nothing to hide. I just like being alone. I like spending time alone. I want to be around a place where there are more trees than people. I don't like a whole lot of noise, even though that's hard when you have an almost four-year-old, but I'm dealing with it. I don't talk a lot unless I feel like I have something to say, and today I feel like I have something to say, so that's why I'm glad to be here. Um, I want you to understand something, you know, I I see Chance the Rapper here, and and, and I'm really excited because I'm a huge fan. But, you know, when you start talking about a master class, you have to talk about all the things that you have done and how you've done it, what you've done. And, you know, I've been in this business for 25 years, and the difficult thing for me is to go around saying what I've I've done. Now, listen, I love these hip-hop artists. Man, I love y'all. You don't do this as much as others do. They're like, you know, I be getting to the money. Hear about it, man. Hey, hey, you know? They can, they can brag, they can boast, they just talk about. Yeah, I got to top off the Maybach. I got to top off the Maybach. I'm not about to cut a hole in a $400,000 car. I just. But I respect these guys because they have this vibrato. They can say what's on their mind. They can tell you, Yeah, I did this, and I'm proud of it. For me, it's a little, bit, it's a little bit different. I'm grateful to God for everything He's done. But being an introvert, but being an introvert, I'm uncomfortable with talking about what I've managed. Truly, it has been incredible. It has been something that a lot of people have wanted to do, but for some reason it fell on me to do. It's been tough. It's been a burden. It's been hard. But more than anything, I don't regret it. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep climbing. I'm going to keep believing for more from God. So, before I show you this video that I put together so I don't have to talk about myself, I'll show you a video for a little bit. But but before I do that, I want to tell you, I've been on vacation, and i started I just literally got off the plane on Monday from a 24,000-mile trip around the world. I was on a spiritual vacation because I started to feel a little bit of unappreciated and taken for granted. And it's a horrible feeling. So I just went to spend some time with God. And I ended up in Australia at the Hillsong Church Conference. And I ended in Greece chasing tracing the steps of the Apostle Paul. So if this thing, this speech takes you to church, I just need the believers to go with me. Take a look at this, and it'll show you what I've done. Benjamin Crowe good to see you, my friend. Take a look at this, and uh, and we'll, I'll be right back to you. Take a look, guys. was miraculous. We could put sheetrock up, we needed more space. This is what happens when you dream, when you believe, when you have faith, when you pray, and when you work your ass off. So I just finished taping House of Pain. of a sudden I hit another level
2: my first guest is one of the most influential and prolific entertainers on the planet he's an
3: actor a writer director producer I'm gonna say entertainment
1: somebody to greenlight our projects, we can create our own intersections. I wanted to use my television show to not only make us laugh, but to show us that we don't just have to act in the sitcom, we can own the show and the network. I wanted to use giving and philanthropy to show us that we don't have to be at the end of the line waiting for a handout. we can be at Giving the hand up. And, And I wanted to own a studio to show us that we don't have to wait for somebody to give us 40 acres and a mule, we can buy our own. started for me when I was uh, very, very young. My father was a subcontractor, and he the man had an incredible work ethic. I talk a lot about it, but he had an incredible work ethic, and he would build these houses. never seen Coca-Cola or Ford or anybody else apologize for I heard it all. And I'm not talking to everybody in this room. There's some eagles in this room who are doing some different things, who are trying to go higher. You are the reason that I'm here. Now, God bless the rest of you. I get it. I get it. I understand it. But if you're an eagle in this room and you are listening to what I'm saying, I promise you, if you take this advice, it will take you to the next level. Just stay with me for just a second. So there I am, focusing on what's happening in my life, focusing on the work. Medea. hello. How are you, there messages that people were getting. And I started getting, this is before Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, before all of that stuff. God, I miss those days. But this is when I would just get letters from people. I got a letter from a woman who said, you did in two hours what my family has been trying to do for 12 years. My sister is leaving an abusive relationship because she saw a diary of a mad black woman. I got another letter that I never forgot, sent chills up my spine even to talk about it, sent chills. There was a woman who had... Got, gathered her children and brought them to a hotel, and she said, I was going to commit suicide. And I asked my kids, what, what do they want to do? Anything they wanted to do that day, we were going to do. They said, we want to see a Tyler Perry play. Then she went and found a bootleg and washed with them in the hotel. Was laughing so much. She said, after I washed it, I felt like I had hope and I no longer wanted to kill myself. So, So I realized the power in what was happening. I was talking to blue-collar people, people like my mother and daddy and my, and my uncle, w- with his asher kneecaps. My mother, my father had a yeah, my father had a third-grade education. My mother was taking care of kids at a Jewish community center. These were regular, good old folks who could not get in the Range Rover and go and get therapy for what was happening inside of their lives. But for some reason, God had blessed me with a way to make them laugh and give them a message to make them think, and at the same time, give them hope. I was focused. I was focused. There I was. What's happening? Somebody was trying to tell me that one shade of black is better than another shade of black. Black people, we've got to stop that ignorant ass shit.
3: <laughs>
1: we got to stop it. We got to stop it. We got to stop it. There is no other shade of black that is better than another shade of black. Yours because you got educated is not more important than my father's story who had a third grade education every story matters. That's why I'm so excited about what's happening now because everybody gets a chance to tell their stories. Issa Rae and Donald Glover and and, uh, Wakanda and uh, Black Panther and I'm, I'm just excited at where we are right now but don't forget there was a moment when that wasn't going on and there I was out there by myself. But you're going to need this next thing. Remember what I'm about to tell you. If you're going to do something incredible, you're going to need this. You're going to need an emotional tolerance. An emotional tolerance, which says that you will stand and be okay inside of the madness. You will center yourself. You will stay focused. You won't respond to everything. You will choose, pick and choose what you will respond to because your focus will be in front of you. You're going to need an emotional tolerance. Listen to me, if you're gonna make it to any level in this life, that's one thing you're gonna need. Another thing you're gonna need is a high risk endurance. High risk endurance. My, my mother didn't have that. Because that would've mean if she had it, she would've mortgaged her house. She would've stepped out on faith. But when you have a high risk endurance, you step out and you do things that have never been done before. But it's silly for you to expect to get something different if you're doing the same thing that you always done. If you want a different result, you've got to do something different. You've got to believe different. You've got to step out different. And you've got to have faith inside of your high-risk tolerance. I don't know how to have a high-risk tolerance to, to, to take risk and not have faith. Faith is tremendously important. I'm telling you, you can have a seed and plant it, but once you put the seed in the ground and water it, what else can you do to make it grow? God has to provide the sunlight. God has to provide the nourishment up under the ground for this seed to grow. So you've got to work hard, do what you have to, plant hard, believe, have faith, have an emotional tolerance, have a high risk endurance, and keep going no matter what. And once you get to where you're going, I want to tell you this, because this is something that we do as black people. Don't run from where you came from. I don't know what that is with us. The first thing we do is we leave from where we came from, not understanding that every other culture in this world understands the power of us. They all advertise to us. They go in our communities and mine for our money. The first thing we do when we get our income is we leave the community and spend it outside. We don't spend it on us. Do not leave us and where came from. I'm telling you, some of your blessings and some of the gifts that you are trying to get is right there among your people. I would not be here right now if it had not been for us. Learn the value of us because I assure you, they already know the value of us. We got to stop looking outside of ourselves for heroes and become heroes to each other. There are questions that God asks, and I love the questions of God, which, which takes me to this point I'm talking about right now. You know, God asked, asked uh, a lame man, will thou be made whole? He asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? He asked, he, asked, um, he asked Abraham, is there anything too hard for God? But the thing that he asked Moses is the one I want to bring to your attention. He said, Moses, what is that that you have in your hand? Oh, we as black people have so much in our hands but we don't use it, we don't use it. We are more powerful than this, we are smarter than this, we are more more astute than where we are right now. The reason why you don't wanna leave us in our community is because when I built all of these buildings that you saw in the video, every one of them, every one of them that was built, they were all built in our neighborhood, black neighborhoods where there were poor people, even the studio. When the, when the army base left that studio, it, it des- decimated the entire area because it was the lifeblood there. Me coming back in there, 89,000 cars have come through the gate since I opened it. So I'm bringing life back into it. But why is that important? In 2012, when Barack Obama was running for re-election, he called me up, he said, I'm gonna come down to the studio and do a fundraiser. I was like, oh my God, don't you miss him? Yeah. Listen, like, oh my God, you have come to the studio. So he comes to the studio secret service is set up everybody's there you've got the barricades along continental colony parkway i don't know if anybody knows in atlanta that's where Greenbrier mall is that's the hood <laughs> and the presidential motorcade is coming down the street and you've got little black boys little black girls waving flags talking about i see the president but this is why it was so important that i was in that neighborhood because they saw the black president going to the black man's studio And they realized what I didn't as a little boy. All I saw was my father working for the white man. So the realization that they could have anything they wanted was so important. That's why we've got to build and stay among our own people. I'll never forget it. It was so powerful, so moving. Let me tell you something. I called everybody in this business, in the show business, that's doing something let's talk i've learned something maya angelo said it when you learn teach said, come here let me talk to you about ownership i call them all 99 percent of them don't return my calls but it's okay because everybody doesn't have a high risk tolerance some people are comfortable where they are and that's okay but i do like my grandmother did who would always go through the family looking for the one are you the one are you the one are you the one She knew that somewhere along the way, somebody was coming to change the entire destiny of the family. And for some reason, it fell on me. And for some reason, it fell on some of the people in this room. You are the one. You're sitting at a job wondering why you're there. You're sitting there worried. You're sitting there knowing that this is not all there is for you. You are who I'm talking to. The ancestors have prayed for you to be able to get... prayed for you, they called your name for you to be able to do better than what you're doing right now. You have an obligation to not only do it for yourself, but for all the ones who couldn't do it and all the ones who are coming. During this time, when I call them and I say, okay, fine, they don't have the high-risk tolerance, it's okay. Back a few months ago, a few years ago, Oscar So White was trending, hashtag Oscar So White, and I'm to call Charlie, you've got to do something. you got to say some only black people love you, you've got to do something about it. I said, guys, you go ahead and do that, because I respect everybody who's fighting for a seat at the table, but while you're fighting for a seat at the table, I'll be over here building my own. Because when you sit at somebody else's table, they can tell you what to eat, when to eat, and how to eat. more than where you are right now. keep looking behind me looking to my left looking to my right going are you the one are you the one let me show you what i've learned let me show you what i've learned I'm writing a letter to the future. That's when I got tears in my eyes. He said, I know this sounds silly, but I'm writing a letter to the future. He described himself. He described where the country was. He said that Nixon was the president who was impeached. Interesting. Uh Uh, He was describing all of these things. But the thing that got me the most is I'm writing a letter to the future. Well, looking at the date, I had only been on the planet for six weeks. I'm in New Orleans. Little black boy, this little white kid is in Atlanta writing a letter to the future. On an army base that was once a Confederate army base, established 20 years after the abolishment of slavery, this kid is writing a letter to the future. 48 years later, I find the letter that he written and I realized I was the future he was talking about. (laughs) I came here today to be your future, to be your letter, to be just an example of hope. Listen to me. I came from nothing. No one gave me anything. I worked and worked and prayed and worked and prayed some more and worked harder and prayed some more until things started to fall into place. I want you to understand something. My God in heaven, I want you to understand this. If I can't get you to get anything else, I want you to hear this. You can do it. You can do it. I don't know what your doing is, but whatever that is, do it. Do it. There are people whose destiny and fate are tied into you. I remember when when people couldn't get work. Idris Elba I gave him his first movie. Taraji P Henson. There was no Empire at that time. Carrie Washington. There was no Scandal. Viola Davis. There was no How to, how to Get Away with Murder. Sofia Vergara. There wasn't Modern Family. All of these shows, they were all coming through the camp because at some point they needed to work. And I was tied into their destiny at some point. Now, I'm not responsible for any of their careers. What I'm telling you is that had I not done what I I was supposed to do, there are so many people who wouldn't have gotten what they were supposed to get. There are people tied into your destiny. Black people, you're special. I love you. I'm excited. Don't stop. Keep going. And thank you for this moment. God bless you. you.
2: been blessed. All I got to say is the doors of the church are now open. Everybody say amen, right? He get the said get, get the offering first. Have a seat, Tyler. Thank you so much. You guys have a seat. First of all, we are so proud of
1: you. Hey, I'm trying. I'm
2: trying to keep up with you. Let me hold something. First of all, I, I got to tell you that we are extremely proud of you. And I, I can speak on behalf of the African-American race. I think I have some authority just a little bit today. Uh, but also on behalf of every black man every black boy in this world you have set the pace for us and you have opened so many doors and given us confidence more than you will ever know and I just want to say thank you from New Orleans, from Tulsa, Oklahoma from New York, from the Bronx from Los Angeles, Compton wherever you've done it and I just want to say thank you let's give them another round of applause All right. so
3: now,
2: now it's time to talk you know about ATL, Shorty. He represents the A so well. Pretty much owns Atlanta. That's what I like to say. It owns the South World. For those of us who have sort of found ourselves, we think we found our purpose. Uh, we've done all that we could possibly do, but it's just not working out. How do you know when to hold and when to fold?
1: I'm, I'm not. I'm not the person asked about knowing when to fold. <laughs> You go to bed with it at night and you can't shake it and no matter what you do you can go get a job you can go to travel the world it is still in you it's in your heart it's in your presence you, you'll never be able to shake it so go go for it go for it and and, and at least for me if, 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 if i wouldn't have I, I don't i don't know where my life is
0: Hitting a brick wall. When do you know that that's your purpose or you need to try something else? Or do you just say, just, just keep
2: going, like you said? Because my mother, of course, your grandmother raised you and, and was a big influence in your life. She always said that God would never put the desire in your heart if it wasn't His will. Yeah. What's you
1: know, your answer to that? Well, there, that depends because there's some desires in the heart that ain't His will. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, all I don't like to tell you about is for me, like do, doing the plays and I don't know if I could do it if I had a family and a child that I was concerned about. But in that time, it was just me by myself. So if I'm going to seek my card, so be it. Because I'm going to see this thing through. And I love to be able to go to God and say, listen, I did everything I could. Now where are you? When you lay that <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. So, how do you be true
2: to yourself when it comes to branding and sort of not being concerned about people who
1: may call it a sellout? A focus number one, complete and utter focus, and realize the purpose of what you're doing. If what you're doing is helping and uplifting and motivating, and you see the purpose and you're clear about it, then then you have to drown out the noise. That's that emotional tolerance i was talking about. You've got to drown out the noise to be able to go for what you're doing because. If start to get swayed by people's thoughts and opinions and what they think and what they say, then you're gonna end up in another direction. It's like the wind. It's a boat without a rudder or a sail if you're trying to get to a, a destination. You can't get there unless you have the right sail and the rudder. So when the wind blows you can stay on course. Otherwise otherwise they're gonna blow you everywhere that, that they want you to go. So
2: what about
1: Life. I think this in my book. Some people come in your life for a season, and you have to understand that. I think we get in trouble when we try to take people to levels that they are not ready for. They were only supposed to be with you for a moment to help you at this level of your career, and now it's time to graduate to the You're next been a level. But man! No, no, really. It's time to graduate to the next level, but we feel so much loyalty and so much of a sense of because they came along with me. But if you drag them up to that altitude, if you, I don't know if you know anything about altitude sickness, but people who can't breathe in certain airs will die. So you can't pull people up to another level that they're not ready to go. And and listen to me. I've had to make some really hard choices with some really good people that I cared a great deal about. But I knew that they couldn't take me where I needed to be. And does that include family? Oh, for sure. For sure.
0: <laughs>
1: listen, listen to me. I, I love my family, but everybody has to go get a job. I, I am not the sole support. You are not going to count on me for everything. I'm not going to do everything for you. And I refuse. And, and I, I family members, I said, listen, if you don't go to work, I'm, I'm cutting you off. I'm not giving you anything. Because I am not welfare, I'm not the government. I, and if I got to work and get up every day and go do what I have to do, then you have to do the same thing too, right? Right. And, and, and yes, and it's the same way with family As Some family members, you can't choose your family. You can love them, but you can love them from a distance too. And there are a lot of my family members that I've had to learn to love from distance. They call me, I'm like, yeah, I'm here. You need let me know but i can't have you in my life because you're toxic you're poisonous and there's nothing wrong with people like what's wrong with you you getting away from your family the hell with you i'm happy <laughs> i'm happy i'm not gonna do that I'm not gonna do that so tell me
2: this how do you handle criticism of course we have naysayers those who don't believe in you somebody's always
1: got something to say how do you handle criticism look look for truth in what they say look for truth and that's the problem with our president he Look for truth in what they say. If somebody's criticizing you and you you see it, it's, and, and listen, don't be afraid to ask yourself, is that true? Like when people say, But Vitali, your shows are simple. They're simple. These plots are simple. They're so simple." I'm like, yes, I know they're simple. You know why they're simple? Because when I was on tour, I would ask, "Who's the oldest person in the audience?" Somebody in the balcony. Say, I'm here with my grandmother. She's 85 years old. I say, "Who's the youngest?" Somebody said, "My daughter's here. She's two. I was speaking across generations. I was speaking across class. So what I had to do was very simple message and a simple plot and a simple twist. There are other people doing more complicated things, and that's great. I was building a brand and focusing on my people, so I was writing in a way that they understood. So when they say it's simple, that's true, right. But do you want to know why it's simple? Do you understand? So look for truth in it. It's like eating a steak. Eat the meat, leave the bone. Whatever's, whatever's vitriolic and negative and, and uh, horrible. Yeah, all right. yeah, How do you handle failure? I'm at it. I'm at it. And listen, I, that's not bragging. I'm telling you the truth. The first show, when it didn't take off, I was devastated, broke, hungry, homeless. People would think that's a failure. But it was a setup for the next thing. And everything that I thought was there to, to make me fail and destroy me was something that made me stronger and better. So failure is a prism. It's how you look at it. So if you look at it as failure, something that broke you down or destroyed you, or if you look at it as something that became a stepping stone or a block to the next level, then then you haven't had any either. Okay.
2: What about balance? <laughs> He's cooling the hell out of me, isn't he? Hey, I'm just listening. Hey, you answer the question. <laughs> what about balance when it comes to making
1: money, keeping your money, and making your money First of all, you have to respect what it is. You have to respect money for what it is. And I've always reinvested in myself. Even when put people wouldn't, this is the high-risk tolerance I was talking about. If I made a bunch of money, I would put it back into myself. Even when we started doing the plays and we didn't make money, I'd tell the promoter, keep it. Keep it just as like, long as I can pay my rent, we'll go on and do the next show. So you keep the money, we'll do it until I started to make it. If, if you're going to make money, your sole respect, you're going to be in trouble. So And and you, and you have to respect it, and you have to put yourself around people who, who know what you don't. When I started to make a lot of money, I knew that my sister couldn't keep doing my taxes. I mean, my sister, who didn't have the accounting degree, she just read questions and read, read a book and went to HR Block and asked them questions, I mean. So as you elevate and as you grow, you have to find yourself, you have to find yourself, that's what I mean, going to the next level with people. And I'm not afraid to say what I don't know. I'll be in a boardroom with people sitting around talking to them, having all kinds of conversations. And if I don't know something, excuse me, you need to explain that to me. And I don't care if they think I'm stupid. But because I'm going to know what you mean after it's all done. you I understand. Yeah. So, so, so another thing that's important about money, because like I look at some of these kids, man, they, they're blaming and blocking and you ain't got no health insurance. You, you, gotta, you, 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 you have to know. How much money is and what it's worth. I, I, I see people who've had tons of money go broke because they don't know the worth and the value of it, and they're doing all kinds of crazy things with it on Instagram and making it rain and all this other stuff. And, and but what they don't realize is the people that is in control of their money is watching them too. And they're going, well, hell, you out there spending money like that, you won't notice if I put about two three hundred in my pocket. <laughs> so so it's whatever. It, out there about how you feel about money is what is going to happen. All right, two final questions. Uh, You're so real. How do you stay humble? What keeps you humble? That, for me, is God.
0: Knowing that
1: I could not have done this. I look at that tape, man, I get so emotional because I'm like, I could not have done this. All I did was work know, when you know that God did it, and the Lord gives it, he can take it away tomorrow, how can you be arrogant inside of that, you know, so I'm humbled by it, and I'm grateful for it, I'm, I'm mad, I tell you, I'm grateful, and how has fatherhood impacted your brain, yeah, this kid, yeah. man. this kid, <laughs> I, I've, I've never known love Uh, <laughs> but, but I, but when I'm talking to him, I'm healing myself as a little boy. When I grab him and I say I love you, I'm telling the little boy that I was. I love you. He, we were we were just on vacation. He and he would he said, Papa, look, and he'll run. He'll dive in the pool. Somebody, I'm something, like, something like you still care to do? But and he'll come up and he'll look for approval from me, and I make sure I'm light up so that he knows that his father.
2: What projects are you working on, because I'm ready for the TP plug, of course. I know you got a movie coming out of November. you ready for what?
1: Tyler Perry. The TP plug, that's what I call it. The what? The TP plug. Tyler Perry. The TP plug? TP plug, I don't know what that means. Explain that to me. Tyler Perry, I want you to plug, I want you to tell us about your projects that you have coming out. Oh, you want me to plug it? I get it. Okay, (laughs) thanks. Let me tell you something. See, we had a good moment back behind the stage. I knew he was going to yeah, find yeah. a way to get me, time. Yeah, that's all What you want to call it? I, I, uh, you know, right now, uh, there's nobody's fool with Tiffany Haddish is coming <laughs> out. And, uh, and Whoopi's in it, right? Whoopi? Whoop, listen, Whoopi Goldberg, there's a special cameo in it that's a really, really amazing, where I think it's up there with Mari Hartwig. And it's a rated R movie, very different for me because I let Tiffany just go off. It's extremely funny. Is this your uh, first rated R? <laughs> your first rated R movie? No, right. uh, Acrimony was. Uh, but uh, what I'm excited about is, is that where I am in life right now, from 48 to be 49 this year, going into 50, and as I said, holding the door open for somebody else, that's what I'm excited about now. I'm excited about all these people coming up, and if I could just get a few of them to get together, like Oprah and I came today, if I could get a few of them to get together to, to start to work as one unit, like... Uh, like They've done so much in Hollywood, it would change the game. So, my hope and purpose is that I'm able to that. And I'm glad to say that uh, our two of your closest friends open their for CBS. We'd welcome you too if you want to do something with us. CBS? CBS, yes. yeah. Yes. We are yes. in the house. Thank Let's give Tyler Perry another thanks. round of thanks. applause
2: if right. we can. And don't forget to uh, use the hashtag. Tyler Perry, NABJ, and hashtag NABJ 2018. TP plug. I know not to say that again. I think No, so no, 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 no. Thank, no, no, it's all thank good. you so it's all much. Good. Rolling and stepping and up. What's up?
3: there. So there's, so there's one, last one last thing. 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 I want to say that while he's here, <laughs> because it also speaks to what we're trying to do here in NABJ. So in December, TV One announced they were canceling my show, News One Now. The Last episode was. 21st. we have four years of this daily show. And as the CEO was talking to me about why they canceled the show, I was already saying who I was gonna call, literally me out of the meeting to launch my own show. And so we go to January and I said, I'm going to launch this digital show. So then the State of the Union, Trump is speaking, and Maxine Waters said, I'm not going. And I said, you know what? We are gonna do a State of the Union special. Gonna live stream it and we're gonna do it while he's speaking January 3rd so I go to makeup chair and I walk out of makeup and my phone rings and I go we are an hour from doing this live stream now mind you I spent my own money got my own cameras my own lights I called the uh, church in DC within 10 seconds the pastor said yes booked all the panels we did all of this literally in 10 days so phone rings and it's Tyler, I think y'all understand, I've met Tyler, we've taken pictures, I've seen him, but we had never actually had a conversation other than just, hey man, how you doing, how's it going, and I actually have never been interviewed him about any of his movies. Tyler says, he said, man, I'm sitting here watching your clips on YouTube, and he said, you are our, something. And I said, as a matter of fact, I have an idea that I'm working on. And he then began to encourage me about it, and he said, I'm working on this, I'm working on that. He said, here's my number, lock in, I've got your number. And again, I don't know how tell I got my number. <laughs> 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 we never changed numbers. That was January 30th, that I get asked to rejoin the board as vice president digital. That's March 24th, and I'm sitting in a board meeting when I test one of all of this is that we're also he's doing, he all to encourage me to continue to do what I do. And that is why in a here is in Japan, we've had founders and members when Vernon Jarrett would greet me at the convention, he would hug me, give me a kiss on my cheek and say, my hero. I was a student. So I want all of you folks who are new members to understand why this convention matters. Because it is to encourage you, it is to help you, it is to teach you, and I say, NABJ is literally your therapy session for the hell you gotta deal with for 50 weeks. And that 51st week, you can't wait to go to the convention because when you are in this sea of blackness, when you are in this sea of love, It matters, so we're going to do this here, and I saw him do it with Mr. J. So if you are not a believer, that's fine. The prayer is going to still cover you.
2: The house.
1: We're very proud of him as well for what he's done for our community. So thank you very much. Take it away Tyler. Father God it is with great reverence that we stop at this moment to say thank you. Father we take none of this for granted but we bless you for your anointing and your presence and your gifts. God we thank you that you have blessed us. We Father, I pray right now that the words that were spoken here to today will become seeds of life to your people. That they will grow up over their minds and take them into places that they've never been before. I pray that the Holy Ghost will continue to comfort and lead us throughout these dark days, God. We know that you are always in some spot of bright light for us, no matter how dark it is. We thank you for the convention, God. We thank you for a moment to fellowship one to another. You said we're two or three gathered to be in the midst. So right now, God, we thank you that you're present here, that you are hearing us, that you, every, every request that is in this room, God, you are making a way for it. We thank you right now for this moment again, God. We'll never take it for granted, and we marvel at who you are. Bless us. Keep us safe. As we travel home, we travel in your name. Thank you, Lord.